Welcome. This is the first episode of DJ Grandpa's Crip, a weekly podcast dedicated to real people and honest dreams. We're looking for creativity wherever we can find it. This week's episode will have three segments. In the first segment, I'll talk to the leader of a jazz band, a game developer, and a burgeoning multimedia mogul, all trying to make their dreams come true. Our second segment will feature a Kickstarter alum, a TV producer who now has the backing to develop his new web series. And last, the dreaded elevator pitch. The lead singer of a rock and roll blues band tells us why she needs the money. First up, I'd like to welcome Peter to the show. Hello. Is this Peter Lamb? Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, DJ Grandpa's crib. Love your uh, Kickstarter page there. And How do you find out about our Kickstarter? You know, I just scour through the pages to see what I like and what I don't like and see what's going on about Kickstarter. So that's how I found out about your project. So welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib. And my first question, <laughs> my first question I wanted to ask you is, you know, give a short bio about Peter Lamb and the Wolves. We're all jazz musicians in the Triangle area here in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You know, a couple of us are professors of music, and we've all got degrees in music, and we all play for a living, you know, in various incarnations. But uh, the band itself is a jazz band, but we either write original tunes or we play other people's tunes in a way that's it's like jazz, but it's not really jazz. You know, like we do Super Mario Brothers, jazzy, I guess you'd say, you know. We do uh, Tom Waits, Bob Dylan. We do a lot of original stuff. We do tangos. We do Russian folk songs. We do a lot of bizarre, whatever I think is interesting we do. And there's always a flavor of jazz, but it's a band that plays good music, I would say. You guys are all over the place, but I really do like your German drinking song. <laughs> Why do you like that? Isn't that fun? Oh, it's a great song, man. Plus, drinking songs and bar brawling songs are always cool. Absolutely. How many people are in your band? There's five of us. There's uh, Al Strong on trumpet, Mark Wells on keyboard and vocals, Stephen Kaufman on drums, and Pete Kimosh on bass, and I play tenor saxophone, and I write most of the tunes and all the arrangements of whatever we're doing. Just because you left and said goodbye so far today we actually made a staff pick and in fact if you go to the kickstarter page and go to staff picks i think if you hit jazz we're the number one 
staff pick, which is, I think, in the world, which is really cool. Um, <laughs> in the world. You know, I can't really complain about that. Darling, I would rather swim over the sea. Why did you choose Kickstarter? We're really recording two albums right now. One of them is all guest artists, and that's quote-unquote our bootleg album, and then one is just an album with Peter Lamb the Wolves, which is the band, the core band. But um, the last album we did, I did it completely out of pocket. You know, everyone that worked on it with me, you know, they donated their time and energy for, for very little money. Well, I want to pay people to be artists, you know, so in order to uh, afford to make the same kind of CD, these people deserve to be paid. And so the only way I could really do it, since I'm an artist and I don't make any money, <laughs> is to go to Kickstarter. You've got a tree, be kind and gentle, because I'm so sentimental. In the area that ran Raleigh Durham, Chapel Hill, it's kind of a renaissance happening in this area. I don't know if you know that, but Grandpa Marsalis, who's a great tenor player, lives here. Mm -hmm. Kobe Watkins, who's Sonny Rollins, his drummer, lives here. Michael Brecker's piano player lives here. A lot of really good jazz musicians live here, and all these people are moving from Chicago and New York because you can make a living here playing. I didn't know that at all. I work five nights a week. It's wonderful. I mean, I don't make a lot of money, but I make enough to live on playing. Right. Now, you said that you became a staff pick this week, and that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter says that, if I quote this correctly, once you reach over 40% of your funding goal, you have an 80 to 85 chance of receiving all of the money. So that looks pretty good for you. And with the extra push of being featured, it looks like you guys will probably do it. And today's January 27th we're recording, and you have roughly 12 days left. Uh, this podcast is going to come out on February the 1st, so hopefully we can give you guys a little push. That would be unbelievably wonderful. Where are you located, by the way? I don't even know. I'm right outside Washington, D.C., in Alexandria, Virginia, suburb. And, you know, you said there's a big jazz market where you are in the Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina area. I didn't know that. Everything here is pretty much just politics. So I produce a lot of podcasts on women's issues, theroot.com, Washington Post Interactive, the Interactivity Foundation, which is like a think tank or whatever. But I saw that you said that you were invited to play one of the inaugural balls for the Democrats. Did you wind up doing that? Did you play for the president? <laughs> no, I didn't meet the president. We played last Monday night, the 21st, which was the inauguration, at a place called Fort Meyer, which you probably know of. Yes. They have an officer's club, and they had a big, a huge party. There were a bunch of congressmen from North Carolina there, and there were newscasters and such. But the president wasn't there. Joe Biden wasn't there. Um <laughs> I would have done it for free. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Democrat. I don't know any musicians that aren't. But they compensated us anyway. 
It's really cool. I see that you won a few awards in the past. In our area, there's a magazine called The Independent. You know, in all areas, there's if you go to like New York, there's there's a certain magazine you pick up that tells you who's playing where every weekend. Uh, yeah, Village Voice or something like that. Yeah, I got you. Exactly. It's a magazine here in the Triangle, and they, every year they do you know the best of the Triangle. And we've won two years in a row for the best jazz band in the Triangle, which is a huge honor. It's, you know, people call them up and they vote, and we've run against Brand from Marcellus, and we've run against the Squirrel Nut Zippers. I have a few albums by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Oh, cool. Well, one of the guys on our guest, on, on our, our bootleg album, Dave Wright, was in the Squirrel Nut Zippers for years. Is there something you'd like to say to your supporters or your potential backers? First off, to our supporters, I just want to really say thank you so much for the years of, you know, coming out and hearing us play, for buying our album, you know, for voting us the best jazz being the Triangle, for contributing to our Kickstarter. All these things are, are really huge, and I really, really appreciate it. I can't tell you how much. I mean, just for our future, you know, listeners and supporters... I hope you enjoy it. It's a great band. I'm really proud of it. I've put a lot of work and effort into it. And I hope it uh, brings some kind of happiness to your life. From everything that I've read, you guys seem like a real class act. I watched your video on Kickstarter, and I saw that one of the ladies said that after like every performance that you guys do, there's just like a sea of smiles in the audience. And I just thought it was incredible. Thank you so much. We've been very fortunate. Now, what about the neckties? Oh, the neckties. Are those part of cool? rewards? Yeah. They are? Those are awfully cool. Yeah, those bow ties. And, well, there are all sorts of ties. <laughs> they're both really neat. The neckties are, uh, I don't know if you know anything about wood, but they're tongue and groove. So I wear them on my gigs now, and nobody knows it's a wood tie until they come up close to me, and then they, they'll be talking to me, and then they'll look down and they'll see that my tie isn't made out of cloth, and they, they kind of sit there for a minute. What is that? Oh, oh is it? What? And they have to touch it, and I say, oh, it's a wooden tie. This guy in town, Johnny Mac, makes them. They're all handmade, so they're not cheap. You know, they're like 300 350 bucks. He's, uh, he's a huge fan of the band, so he offered one as an incentive on the Kickstarter. So if somebody buys one via the Kickstarter, they get it for less money, and he'll make it custom-made for you. And I didn't know they were wooden. I just thought they were snazzy ties, and I saw it. Every time I look around, everyone is so well-dressed in all of your media that you have out there. So I was just like, the ties just kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of go over the top, and I thought they were just so cool. You know, I have several children. I swear one of them has to grow up wearing a bow tie when he gets older or something like that. Right on. Right on. I want to say thanks for coming on DJ Grandpa's Crib. We love music. We support music 100%. But as I say, I get distracted and I talk about other (laughs) topics. But I just wanted to say thank you very much and good luck with your Kickstarter. Okay, thanks. One, two, one, two, three. All right. Up next, Joe Houston, one of the core developers of one of 2012's biggest computer games, Dishonored, tells us about his new PC game, Unwritten. Unwritten is a game where you control a nomadic people and guide them across a perilous, randomly generated frozen tundra to meet your god. It's also a game about permanent life or death decisions. It's a game that's different every time you play it. And it pivots about this axis that is the rich 
International History of Storytelling. Mr. Houston. Yes. Welcome to the show, DJ Grandpa's Crib. We're about any and all things Kickstarter. And I ran across your page. I see you have approximately 600 backers almost. You're at roughly 30% of your fundraising goal and you have about two weeks left. Why are you giving away the tools to manipulate the game? That seemed kind of interesting to me. Is it some sort of open source type of thing? Uh, it's kind of in between open source and the other end, which just be completely closed. You know, I've been making or modifying games since I was in high school, and you know, I have really fond memories of using community-based tools for games like Doom and Quake, which were formative for a lot of game developers my age. In many respects, those are the things that got my foot in the door, kind of taught me how games are actually made. Yeah, that's not something you see very often anymore because there's really complicated licensing issues with modern games, and they're made by huge teams. If you're one or two people, you really just can't make the kind of stuff that you see in a modern game. But I'm working on a small indie team. Our tools are made so that everything works with two, three, four people because that's what we are, and we own all our own technology. So it was pretty much obvious to me we were going to release the tools because I wanted to pay that experience that I had back. I see you've also backed about nine other projects, I believe, on Kickstarter. So you've kind of given back to the mm -hmm. community there. So I, I like to see that also. I see that you won an award in 2012. You said you were kind of featured in CNN and a whole bunch of places. What was the name of the game? And did that kind of start you on your whole sort of independent thing that you're doing right now on Kickstarter? I got to work on Dishonored, which is a big-budget game. Uh, it's had a lot of critical uh, success. Uh, we've been the game of the year for a lot of publications. CNN was one of them. And then there's the Video Game Awards, which were on Spike TV. And they gave it Best Action uh, Adventure Game of the Year, I believe. That was a big learning experience. And it is true. Like, the lessons that I learned on that project and the inspiration I got from working with a lot of pretty stellar co-workers at the top of their game, yes, it kind of made me feel like I wanted to take it to the next level and do something on my own. But a big part of it was actually interacting with the fans. I realized that what I really wanted to do was I wanted to talk to these fans directly. I wanted to bring the weird right to them. Well, let's get back to your game right now. How complex is it? It's pretty complicated, but my goal is to never overwhelm players. You're choosing between like two or three things at a time, but you do that a lot. And before you know, you're playing a game that is very complicated. It's definitely a game made for adults. It has some adult themes in it. It plays pretty heavily on morality and kind of challenges people to make decisions that maybe they wouldn't normally make in real life. I'm trying to appeal to gamers that like complicated games, but at the same time not make it so crazy complicated that someone who's really interested in the moral themes can't pick it up and give it a try. In a nutshell, why did you choose Kickstarter for the next leg of your gaming career? Because uh, this kind of a game, you know, it needed to come from the fans. I needed to talk directly to them. People in the industry like to say it's, it's a niche game with a niche audience. So I had to go and find them. I had to first make sure that they even want this kind of a game. Okay, and how's that feedback coming? I would say that's going pretty well. Our backers 
are as excited about the project as we are. I think sometimes even more so. It's even been a little bit more than I had expected. Um, we don't quite have the number of backers that we would like, obviously. We, we want to reach our goal, and uh, getting more exposure is our biggest challenge right now. But the ones that we do have, I mean, it's been great. They've been giving us their ideas, and for the most part, they have great ideas. And they're telling me that what they want to see is something that's deeper and more interesting. You know, and there are a lot of people in the game industry that will tell you that, well, people don't want that. People don't want to play games like that. And I'm finding that's just not the case, which is what I thought. Kickstarter, to me, is like a gamer's paradise. It's a gamer's world. They, they just seem to soak up every sort of board game and computer game and novelty and limited edition. And it's incredible to me to just see people who are so voracious like that for just seeing these little niche creative ideas. How have you responded to any of the feedback that they've given you? There have been a lot of times that they've actually been pressing us for what updates to get. Like, they want to know more about the game. So specifically what they're asking for, that's what we're posting about. Uh, but also in the comment threads in particular, they've been suggesting a lot of stuff actually for the game, you know, drawing on their experience with crazy, creative, you know, complex games like Dwarf Fortress and NetHack and old-school games. Not only do we want to tell them, yes, we want to do something like that, but many times we're going to do exactly that. Video games, computer games, they're all about graphics and the music behind them. So do you have any interesting stories behind the scenes about the graphics, how they came about, or the music? Because I see that you seem to have a rich tapestry of all sorts of exotic music behind it, which is very interesting. I find the measure of a good idea is how quickly other people give you their ideas, and it just fits. You know, the, the thing snowballs and becomes more than what you imagined. Yes. Unwritten's been really organic that way, and the art and the music, those are key examples of that. A lot of the art mimics Balinese shadow puppets. We knew we were going to start with storytelling traditions from around the world, yes. but we really kind of settled into these shadow puppets, and that was actually recommended by our musician, Julian Kumei-Seymour, who I just so happened to grow up in Singapore and uh, have all this cool experience to bring to the project. Similarly, we knew we wanted storytelling traditions, and we knew we wanted this international theme. Uh, so with Julian, I threw just a ton of stuff at him. I was just in brainstorming. I said it would be cool if we could factor in Mongolian throat singing or uh, Singapore hammer music or yeah. Maori warrior shouts, New Zealand warriors. Hey, I got to have some of those warrior shouts. Those are great. Right. And you got some Red Hot Tuvins in there. You can't go wrong with those internationally. I thought, like, well, it's a big soup, but we'll see what he does with it. And he just responded immediately. I can't have an interview about video games and action games and possibly violent video games without going through the whole Connecticut shooting thing, which I'm not trying to really go into that. But I saw that you had an article in Rock Paper Shotgun about the whole Dishonored thing and how you felt about violent video games after maybe being desensitized to it a little bit since you've been a programmer for so long and writing codes to these games. Mm -hmm. My only thing that I really have to say is, so you may not have to say anything at all, I'm not sure, but the only thing that I really have to add to that conversation is that we as a people are all part of that problem and not just a selective few. I know I'm part of that problem because I produce music and sometimes it is violent. I don't wish for it to be that way, 
But the young people that I work with and others, that's all they seem to understand. So mm -hmm. I, I am part of the problem. So I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not sure if you want to add anything to that, but that's what I have to say. I think that violence is intrinsic to human nature. Uh, and I think a big danger when we face a tragedy like we have is to withdraw to our own sides. A lot of guys in the game industry, they have this fear of censorship. So they, they don't want to talk about it at all. But on the other side, the people are looking for somebody to blame. And, they, and neither thing really solves the problem, in, in my opinion. A lot of what I talked about in the article is that what's important is to actually just be talking about it. Like, we need to be talking about violence. And sometimes that means exploring violent subject matter in a video game. But you do, like I think you were just saying, need to have some understanding of your social responsibility when doing so. Because you... You can't fix violence without talking about violence, without in some way showing and experiencing violence, I believe. Yes. But you got to be careful because it is true that kids might not get the deeper meaning that you're exploring. On a scale of 1 to 10, how violent is your new game, Unwritten? It's a tricky one because uh, it has a lot of violent themes in it, but we have a very non-violent storytelling method. You know, we use the shadow puppets. We, there is blood in the game, but it's told with ribbons on sticks as though it were part of this puppetry. I think we go into violent subject matter quite a bit, but you'll never see a realistic depiction of anyone being injured. So, I don't know, six. Thank you very much. Thank you, you too. Goodbye. Bye. Welcome to everyone. I'm DJ Grandpa, and I'm talking with Paola Pristini of VIA Records, also known as Vision Art. I found out about them on Kickstarter, and I love Kickstarter. I love the community. I want to be part of the community. And when I clicked on your page and watched the video, I was very excited. But what I want to ask you is, what's your favorite thing about the Kickstarter community or Kickstarter in general? Wow. Well, what I love about Kickstarter is that it puts us all on the same playing field, and it's really a, a passionate community of supporters who are taking the funding of people's unique ideas into their own hands. Are you a passionate person? I'm very passionate about who I support. I'm passionate about my own music, about my company, and also about people really getting out there and doing their own thing. What makes your project different than others that are out there? One of the things that's really special about this specific Kickstarter project is that it's going to be really releasing multimedia projects that have as high quality music as they have visuals. Also, the quality of the artists who are releasing, you know, range from Jeff Ziegler, who's in the Kronos Quartet, to Anna Klein, who's in residence with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, to me, who's, you know, the director of this young nonprofit. So I think it's a very engaging and a very exciting project to support. When I looked at your Kickstarter page or video, I got the sense that you're kind of like the focal point behind the whole thing. Vision and Tar is definitely my baby, but we're really starting to have quite a beautiful community now. What do you want potential backers to know about your project, you know, like in a nutshell? I guess I would say that this is really an opportunity to support a young nonprofit multidisciplinary production company that really supports emerging composers and gives, you know, their work the opportunity to become part of a 
of a rich canon of interdisciplinary work. I love the whole multimedia aspect of your project, inculcating like the video and the graphics. Thank you. I think that's incredibly cool. One question, what advice would you give to someone who wishes to start a Kickstarter campaign? I think that the thing to know is to really kind of work on creating a video that's compelling. I think the other thing is to kind of really think deeply about how to connect to the community, what kind of plan you have, if you will, in terms of getting people to, to know about the project. So really think about the marketing aspect. And, um, and but that's the, straight the business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it's basically fundraising, but using a social media platform. So it's you definitely have to think about marketing and how to get the idea out there. And, and then also really get to know the people who work at Kickstarter. They're really incredible people and they have a lot of knowledge. see how I put this. I try and follow as much music as possible and I seem to be running across a trend that I see younger musicians or people who've been in the social media realm for a while and trying to promote their music that way that they seem to say that more and more of their time's taken up by doing social media and the quote-unquote business of the music business that they feel as though they don't have enough time to create art. I feel as though with your whole vision art project, you're probably like the foundation underneath your artists. So what are some uh-huh. ways that you empower them to be able to concentrate more on their art? I definitely think that not all artists or composers need to be entrepreneurs, but I think that part of the natural thing that I have is that I, I do enjoy being an entrepreneur. I do enjoy the other aspects of the music business. And so part of what I try to do with the artists that we support is, you know, give them advice in terms of marketing themselves, in terms of, you know, how to organize their projects and also how not to say no, how to really kind of allow even the craziest ideas to have some kind of a... Of a resonance? Yeah, well, and also to really kind of showcase their potential and give, give them the resources they need in order to create the kinds of work that nobody else would actually fund or support. So, you know, we've done things like fly kites, with flutes, you know, I mean, just the craziest <laughs> ideas that, that have resonance, but that are, that perhaps other people would say no to. How long does it take you to kind of like put a project together? It depends. You know, some are just a couple of months and some are really, really long. Is everyone at your label self-produced? I saw a young woman kind of like at the end of your Kickstarter video who was talking about being self-produced. You're talking about Helga Davis? Yeah, Helga is definitely, my God, she is a star now. You know, she's the star of Einstein on the Beach, but her entire life has been, it's been so difficult for her to get her, her kind of multiplicitous talent out there. And so I've been super fortunate to work with her and and really excited to support her work. My last question is, you spoke of being a businesswoman, and 
How do you choose your people? By instinct. You know, when I see that somebody has kind of the same thing that I have, which is, you know, kind of a very different artist and that one that doesn't fit into the box, then I tend to be attracted to them. Ah, that's one question I forgot. This is a dumb question, though. Why didn't you go to the venture capital community? They're always backing Googles and the next bio. If I knew people in that community, I would go to them. <laughs> I just don't know anybody. No, you're, you're better off where you're at. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay. That's why I said it's a dumb question. The Kickstarter is the perfect community for you. Would you like to give everyone your website address so they can check you out? Yes, my company is visionintoart.com, and my website is paolapristini.com. Okay. This is so nice of you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Paola Pristini, and I wish you and your Kickstarter project the best, and I'm going to do everything I can with my social media efforts to promote it. Thank you very much. You're very sweet, and uh, I look forward to following your podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Okay. DJ Grandpa out. <laughs> All right. Have a good Sounds day. Good. <laughs> bye bye. I'd like to introduce Eric Whitehead, the producer of the new web series Brothers. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm one of the producers of a gem of a series called Brothers. Now, Brothers is a relational situation comedy that centers around the story of Corey. 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 Corey's brother and the secret that they're harboring from the world. I'm DJ Grandpa. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib. And we're all about creative people, and and we really want to know what they're doing on Kickstarter. So I'd like to say welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's not start with questions. I wanted to congratulate you because a week ago you finished a successful fundraising program on Kickstarter and raised all the money that you needed. So I'd like to say congratulations about that. Thank you. I had one question. I saw you put out a video the last day. You said the video said that you were at 69% and you needed a little bit more to go. So how does it feel to have that squeaker? It was a little tight there at the end, but um, we were able to uh, to pull through. So yeah, it feels good. I decided in 2011 to sort of go out on my own and uh, start my own production company. So, And last year I met a writer when I was working upstate in Auburn, New York, and he pitched a, uh, a web series to me, and I thought it was really cool. He's got a couple other scripts that we're going to try to produce as well, some feature-length stuff, but I figured it would be good to start out with just the web series. So uh, we started out on that. Uh, we started meeting probably about September um, in New York, and we shot our Kickstarter video in about October of, uh, of 2012. What are these, huh? Answer me, bro. I don't know, they're shorts, I guess. Oh, no crap, bro. I mean, look at these things. Your your jump would just, like, dangle right out of there. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Listen, they're not mine, Matt, okay? Oh, whose are they then, huh? They're not mine. Who? Who, huh? Who, who, huh? Who, 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 who? Shut up. Um, it's basically about two brothers that live together. One of them has multiple personality disorder, and so we just sort of uh, walk through life with him and uh, personalities and sort of like a restoration comedy in that there's sort of a revolving door of a bunch of different characters and nobody necessarily knows who the other characters are. Corey? Which brings us to the secret. Corey's brother. 
Now, I know you've already met him, but... Corey! So, Corey, what are we gonna do about Matt? I don't know, Vince. Vince! Vince! I don't know, what can we do about him? He's trashing my room, Corey. Well, it's his room too, right? Smells like tuna and B.O. in there all the time. I keep cleaning and keep smelling. He is a slob and I want him out. It is either him or me. How is that possible, Matt? Vince, Vince, you're him, he's you. You know this. Why did you choose Kickstarter? Rather than try to sink a bunch of our own money into it, we were intrigued by the concept of getting a lot of our friends and family and some of our contacts to give us a little bit because it spreads out the burden. It also allows for maximum creativity on our end because the obligation to the backer is already fulfilled through the rewards. I like your pilot. It's very funny. The quality is definitely there. But when is this series supposed to air? Yeah, we're going to shoot those first four episodes midway through March. We'll probably have them cut together sometime in April, uh, April, May-ish. And then our plan is to try to shop the series around to TV networks, online networks. Eric Whitehead, I'd like to say thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us a sneak peek at your soon-to-be-on-the-web series, Brothers. And um, I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, okay. Now I'm jumping up and down before the dreaded elevator pitch. DJ Grandpa's favorite segment of the show. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Uh, everything's going pretty good. I'd like to welcome Sarah Robinson and Midnight Special, or Sarah Robinson of Sarah Robinson and the Midnight Special. This is the last segment of our show. It's called The Elevator Pitch. Sarah, you do know what an elevator pitch is, don't you? I do not know what an elevator pitch is. This is what an elevator pitch is. It's basically used with people who come up with these crazy ideas. And they want other people to put money into them. And I'm not saying that your idea is a crazy idea. I'm just saying <laughs> you walk into an elevator and there's this guy with a suit and he has money. And you know that he has what you need. So the money is like the Kickstarter community. And you're walking in the elevator and you basically have a minute or whatever to whichever floor this person gets to to tell them your dream, your honest dream. You're a real person with an honest dream. So you have four days right now when I'm talking to you left on your Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you deserve the money? I think that we deserve the money because uh, we're a different band. You know, everything out there right now sounds the same. Uh, our goal is to bring back old school music and make it mainstream. The reaction we're getting right now from young and old alike is just really overwhelming and encourages us to keep going. You know, because we're all young musicians trying to bring it back. Good music. We're a hard blues, southern rock band. And uh, right now we're so close to getting this album out to everybody. But uh, the only thing holding us back is that little bit of money that we need to make that happen for us. Like you said, we're 76% funded, so we're pretty close. And without this money, we can't get it out to the people that need it. So we're right there, but not yet there. This is your first album. It and sure like is. you said, you're a, a rock and blues type of band, a blues rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, That's I listened right. to the song. I listened to the song you sent. And now you know what an elevator pitch is. Oh, I like it. I like it. Thank you so much. Once again, I wanted to say you guys are going to make it. It looks like your whole fundraising campaign for the last almost 20 days is gaining momentum. The website kicktrack.com says that you're going to make about 100 to 103% of your money. But I believe you're going to do a little bit better than that. So 
Oh, well, thank you. Uh, no problem. So how would I find you guys on Kickstarter? You know, if someone's listening, they're like, man, I really like this music. How do I donate? You just go to kickstarter.com and you search for my band. And that's Sarah Robinson with no H and Midnight Special. For everything that you donate, you will get a backer reward, whether that's the album, a private show. It really just kind of depends on how much you decide to donate. But, yeah, you, you will get a reward for donating, and, again, we really do appreciate it. DJ Grandpa says good luck, and anyway, like I said, you're going to make it anyway. But thank you very much for coming on the show, and I really appreciate it. And you guys definitely have good music. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without people like you, so we thank you. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can like us on Facebook, search words DJ Grandpa's Crib. You can also follow us on Twitter at DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. Search for DJ Grandpa's Crib in the iTunes store. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. And if you are not socially inclined, you can still reach DJ Grandpa the old-fashioned way by email. That's djg at djgrandpa.com. Each week, we will be talking to some of the most creative people on the planet. Stay tuned. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer for this and all House of Abdul podcasts is Abdullah Rupert.